Welcome to our podcast, If You Could Hide to Colob. My name's Daniel and this is Clive. Hello and welcome. Clive, loads of people have been asking us why we call the podcast If You Could Hide to Colob. So why don't you start off by clearing that up? Well, I mean, it's a hymn that we both really love. It's um, it's a very interesting hymn as well. The doctrines that the hymn talks about, it's just fascinating. And things like that are the things that we want to talk about in future episodes of this podcast. Absolutely. So for everyone listening, welcome. We appreciate you joining us. Clive and I have been uh, passionately studying the gospel for a long time now from a historical and a spiritual perspective. Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, we're brothers, um, so we were born in this church and grew up together in it. Um, through the years, we've taught many lessons um, from Gospel Doctrine, Elders Quorum, Institute, lessons as missionaries as well. That's right. And now, well, neither of us have those callings anymore. We're both doing other things. And we were having some conversations about how we can keep up our study and sometimes you need a bit of a purpose and that's how this podcast was born yeah exactly i mean a lot of people you know me included feel like when you teach that's when you learn the most you know so for us yeah like you said we study all the time and we do talk about things like this and we you know hoping that the things that we study um, of the Come Follow Me program for next year that we put into this podcast, the insights and the things that we've learned. Hopefully we can help everybody else out too with their teachings. Something I do want to mention though as well is, um, and each week I'll mention that anything that we talk about in the podcast, we're going to gather all the references and put them on the website. So anything you hear today, uh, you're not sure about, you want to get some clarification of, jump onto the website and you'll be able to see all the references there. And hopefully this will help you out with the things you want to teach as well. Great. Okay, well, if you weren't aware already, 2024 Come Follow Me is about the Book of Mormon. It's going to be a great year. The Bible is done now, and so, yeah, we've got the Book of Mormon, and then the year after, we'll move on to the Doctrine and Covenants, so we've got a a great year ahead. Every week, we'll release an episode covering the lesson, and we'll always try to stay a couple of weeks ahead as well. You know, we only do uh, Sunday school every couple of weeks and some people study in every second week and some people keep up every week but certainly we'll have an episode covering every single week and we'll release that well in time to keep up with your schedule so what are we doing today well today is lesson one so that's the introductory pages of the book of mormon awesome well as we looked at this clive i'm in a bit of a in a bit of a struggle because it, the first question to me in terms of the introductory of the Book of Mormon, it, it really goes way back. And the question I've got is how the Smiths ended up in the area. But I'm not really sure where does that start and, and where does that end and where does that cross over with Joseph Smith history? And where does that where does that leave us when we actually look at Joseph Smith history in 2025? Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, you know, when I'm studying and trying to figure out lessons, sometimes I'll get sidetracked on something that I find interesting and, and go off on a tangent on that and it's got nothing to do with the lesson but I mean it's certainly no coincidence that the Smiths ended up where they ended up uh, but like I said there's so many stories that lead to it and so many things that worked in place that the Lord had put in place for the Smiths to end up where they were but before we get into any of that um, do you have a quote to start us off yes yes I do have today's quote 
This is Gordon B. Hinckley from a general conference in October way back in 1998. And I feel like it goes perfectly in hand with the introduction of the Book of Mormon and how all that came to be. And it says, Our entire case as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints rests on the validity of this glorious first vision. It was the parting of the curtain to open this, this, the dispensation of the fullness of times. Nothing on which we base our doctrine, nothing we teach, nothing we live by is of greater importance than this initial declaration. I submit that if Joseph Smith talked with God the Father and his beloved Son, then all else of which he spoke is true. This is the hinge on which turns the gate that leads to the path of salvation and eternal life. Well, see, that's a great lesson to kick off our podcast. Where are we starting then, Daniel? So, we are going to start with a little bit of an introductory on the Smiths, but very, very short, and we will cover this, perhaps in an, in its own podcast, in, in its own episode, it definitely needs more time than what we've got, and we really want to make sure we focus on the introductory of the Book of Mormon. So, what I will just say is that Joseph Smith Sr. and Lucy Max Smith, they had a whole bunch of events that led to them moving to Palmyra and it was a really um, sometimes a very spiritual experience and sometimes it was just downright difficult. The Joseph Smith Sr. And, and Lucy Max Smith as a married couple had loads of ups and downs. At one point had some money and had a store at another point didn't at another point were kicked out at another point had a business venture at another point they didn't. So in the end they end up in Palmyra and we will take our podcast today from from that stage. We'll assume that they're already in Palmyra, and perhaps later on in the future we'll we'll get to go through the history because um, it is really really interesting. So we're in. So let's assume we're already in Palmyra, and the Smiths are in a place where there's preachers. There's a lot of excitement around, and I actually wanted to put this question to you first, though, Clive. In in Palmyra, we, we're going to talk about George Lane in a minute, but I, I was hoping you might actually just give us a bit of, from a religious perspective, uh, what would the lay of the land have been like with the Smiths when they moved into the area? Well, it's interesting because by the time the Smiths got there, there'd already been this, um, what's called the Second Great Awakening, which actually started around, around 1790-ish and it went to about 1850 and the Smiths ended up there right in the middle of that. And uh, this Second Great Awakening was a religious revival, is what they call it. It's where many, many religions came to be. They set up these huge tents where they would preach, um, not just to random strangers, but to thousands of people that have in their congregation. But they'd be out, they'd just have these big tents on the streets, and they'd be out preaching the gospel. And everyone's obviously got their own religions, their own sects, Presbyterian, Baptists, Calvinists, things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was the time that the Smiths got there and, and this excitement was in the air, this second great awakening. So, okay, so lots of religions are around. The second great awakening, so had they just had a first great awakening or was that way, way, way before, nothing to do with this one? There was a first great awakening. At the, it started around the early 1700s. Right. It was a, really more of a fear-mongering thing, though. It was... Do this or you go to hell. So I guess that's more of the traditional religion that we see from hundreds of years ago. Exactly. All those heaven or historical type. Exactly. Exactly. Which, I mean, wasn't too different to what others were preaching, but um, it was sort of 
the first great awakening kind of stopped at the american revolution okay um when america came independent and that's what sort of kicked off the second um great awakening because once all that was over america was its own independent country then it was one of the very few countries that was able to practice religious freedom so a lot of people came over for that particular right. reason again no coincidence the lord's got his hand in everything but this is when the Smiths came in, right in the middle of all of this happening. Okay. Well, that leads perfectly into then what, what I actually wanted to talk about, and that was about George Lane. So there's a guy called Reverend George Lane, and he, amongst most, is credited for actually telling Joseph Smith to read James 1.5. So the Smiths are in Palmyra. There's the Second Great Awakening. There's lots of religion happening, and... I, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that there's, if I go to a town, I mean, how busy would it have been? Would it have been on every street there was someone, or is it every suburb there was a preacher? Would it have been chockers? It seems like, everything that I read, it seems like you can't turn a corner without somebody else preaching to you, or at least without the whole town going, hey, this is the guy that we go to because he's the one that preaches to us. You know, Joseph Smith's parents, obviously, they had their own ideas as well. Uh, Lucy was a Presbyterian. Um, that was her thing, at least for a while. But then that obviously changed. The Smiths are in Palmyra and they get, for some reason, they listen to Reverend George Lane. So I'm imagining there's a lot. For some reason, they've chose, they've chose George Lane as the, the one to listen to. And he's preaching, and he actually tells them that they should ask God. They should ask God what to do. And he tells them to read James 1.5, and he says that he actually has a sermon called What Church to Join. Uh, and we got this information because William, Joseph's brother, later in life, he records and he, he says this, Reverend Mr. Lane of the Methodist preached a sermon on what church shall I join? And the burden of his discourse was to ask God, using as a text, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally. And of course, when Joseph went home and was looking over the text, he was impressed to do just what the preacher had said, and going out in the woods with childlike, simple, trusting faith, believing that God meant just what he said, kneeled down and prayed. So Joseph and family joseph and co listened to george lane see that's funny because i don't think that was a, a crazy coincidence that the sermon what you say it was called again this this what church the, to join the sermon was called what church shall i join because in 1811 lucy says about joseph smith senior that my husband's mind became excited on the subject of religion yet he was not he would not subscribe to any particular system of faith, but contended for the ancient order as established by the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his apostles. Right. So, you know, he went, hold on, I don't know if there's any religion that's right because they don't seem to follow the right order. So it's not crazy for them to not seek out, well, what religion is right? Yeah, I, I talked about how Lucy was Presbyterian. She went to a Presbyterian uh, church one day she said that uh, one day she was going to go to a Presbyter Presbyterian church because there was a devout man, is what they called him, preaching. And a lot of people actually came to that to listen to this devout man. And what man. year was that? Yeah, this was um, around 1811. Okay. So Joseph Smith was born and, you know, they're 
This was still in the hype of that uh, second great awakening. And everyone wanted to go and hear this devout man speak that he hadn't been there before. And she said that she wanted to go and listen to the spirit from this devout man because she, she believed and she's like, well, great. I want to listen to the spirit. But it was interesting because after hearing him speak, she said, I returned home and was convinced that he neither understood nor appreciated the subject that he spoke. And she said in her heart, there was not then upon the earth the religious that she sought. So it's interesting that this George Lane now has this sermon saying, What church shall I join? What church shall I join, exactly. Interesting. Okay, so Joseph reads James, goes home and he reads James 1.5 and he decides that he's going to do just that. He decides that he's going to speak to the Lord. He he decides that he's got a prayer in his heart. In fact, he says that he was convicted of his sins which is really, really interesting that he starts to feel these sort of things. Um, and he said that here, this is from his 1832 journal, he says, I felt to mourn for my own sins and for the sins of the world, for I'd learned in the scriptures that God was the same yesterday, today and forever, that he was no respecter of persons, for he was God, for I looked upon the sun, the glorious luminary of the earth. And he goes on and on and on, the fowls of heaven, the, and the fowls of heaven and the fish of the waters he talks about. So he so he needs to go and pray. And he what I really like and and this shows the human side is that Joseph doesn't just head out into the forest and decide to just head west or head east. Uh, he actually goes to somewhere specific, right? He goes to where he he'd left an axe from where he was working probably the day before. That's right. Yeah, he was doing some clearing. Right. Um, in this in these trees and he knew that when he was there it was a quiet place so he decided hey that was a quiet place i'll go and there familiar. and went to the place and where familiar he... i think as exactly. well he wasn't going to go get lost somewhere exactly it wasn't just like i said here's a good spot let's give it a go you know it was this is the place that i'd known before i'd actually left an axe in the tree stump that seems like I'll the perfect place it. for me might yeah, go get the exactly. axe and while I'm there, I'll, I'll say this prayer because I know there's no one else there. So he does so, and we know that he's, uh, he know we know that the adversary was having his moment. The adversary knew that at this point in time, it was it was now or never to take control of the situation and try absolute hardest to not let Joseph experience what he was about to experience. Right, Joseph said he's. He actually felt, a, or he actually heard a physical presence behind him. Yeah, that's right. He said, as I kneeled down to pray and said, Oh Lord, what church shall I join? He said his tongue swelled that he couldn't speak and he heard footsteps behind him. Now, as we've said, it's, a, it's an open clearing. Well, I mean, it's not fully open, but it's in the right. woods. He knows the area and he knows that he wasn't followed. So suddenly he jumped up and there was no one behind him, obviously. So then he tries again but still with a swollen tongue gets down goes to pray louder louder footsteps behind him and it springs up still can't find anyone and like he said suddenly he was he said that an unseen power seized upon him as he tried to speak and his tongue was still bound and the thick darkness closed around him right so he's actually he, he he really is having a moment he's really really having a moment and when I was looking at this part, 
I actually thought it was probably quite similar to Moses and what Moses experienced. Well, yeah, Moses had seen God face to face and then Satan came trying to trick Moses and say, you know, I'm the son of God, worship me. And he's going, well, I've seen God face to face and I don't feel the same that I feel with you. And Satan ranted upon the earth and said, and Moses said that he saw the bitterness of hell. And I, I couldn't imagine it being different to what Joseph Smith saw. You know, a thick darkness. Joseph even said that he describes it as sinking into despair, overwhelmed by unbearable darkness, ready to abandon himself to destruction. Unbearable and abandon is not super ideal. Is that not words that you make? Like, <laughs> oh, it was pretty, pretty easy. No. Pretty easy to get out of it. So, yeah, I mean, it's very, very similar to Moses' story. And Joseph Smith, yeah, I mean, Satan didn't go, let me try and trick Joseph. He straight away just went, I've I got to stop, to stop this. Whatever's about to happen, I, I feel like I know what's about to happen. I need to put an end to this now. I, can't, I don't have time to waste. I need to physically stop this person. Exactly. What a such a panicky moment for Satan to go. This is the last dispensation. This is this, this, this is the, this start is the of grand it. final. If I can stop this yeah. and make them lose the grand final, it's going to be great. But we all know what happened after. Joseph used, you know, mustered up his strength, and cried out to the Lord. And suddenly, this pillar of light appeared in front right. of him. And and what is th this conversation that's about to happen? It, it is a conversation, and you know, in church we obviously have we have joseph smith history and that's that's great and it gives us what we need to know you know we don't the the detail of what happened is nothing pertaining to our salvation but it is still amazingly interesting to learn about so joseph smith history gives us a taste of what happened but there really was a conversation we know that uh, as i mentioned before that joseph felt convicted of his sins and he records in his 1832 account he actually records that he says here and he spoken to me, Joseph, my son, thy sins are forgiven thee. Go thy way, walk in my statutes and keep my commandments. Behold, I am the Lord of glory. So that's different to other versions, though. Why was there so many different versions of the first vision there? Well, there was lots of other versions. In, in one version, um, we have one person coming down first and then another person coming down second. We've got the traditional pictures you know the traditional paintings that we see of both the heavenly father and jesus christ with joseph i think it's more like i thought about that a lot over the years when i've taught this lesson and i think it's more to do with joseph's personal account i think if i'm talking to you about something that spiritually uh, that's something really spiritual that happens to me i'm going to give you i'm going to give you quite a bit but when I compared to some guy or, or even compared to maybe a, a talk that I'm giving and I want to share a spirit, spiritual experience, maybe in the talk, I'll give 40% of actually what happened. And in Sunday school, maybe I'd give 50% of what happened. But when I talk to you, I might give 70 or 80%. I think something that happens to you so much, there's always going to be elements that you keep to yourself. I think um, there would be very few people on, on earth that you would tell absolutely everything to you know maybe you write it down i guess but i think that's how we we don't need to know that the first thing said to joseph was thy sins are forgiven thee go thy go thy way i walk in my statutes that has nothing to do with us getting to the celestial kingdom what does have something to do with us getting to the celestial kingdom is that the first vision happened so i think that when i think about the different versions they're not 
I don't know if they're different versions. They're snippets of the same event. Just for what people need to hear at the time. You need to understand that no religion is right, and that's what I was told. You need to hear, hey, God came down and introduced his son, because then you know that this is true. That's, I guess that's the sort of thing. So I guess, I suppose, probably there hasn't been... Joseph Smith and maybe Emma, his wife, are really the only two people that know exactly what happened. You know, I, I imagine that there's some things that are so sacred to him, he probably hasn't even spoken to anybody about them, perhaps. I, 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 I definitely think so. I, I really, really think so. The What he's written here, which I've got in front of me, is the is 1832 version. Yeah, there's a real decent paragraph here of, of what was said. And there's just no way that was everything. There's just no no way on this planet that that was everything. To, there would have, the heavens were open for the first time in a while, and it wasn't just a fleeting conversation and, hey, see you in three years, I'll send Angel Moroni. It was a big event, and it obviously it would have just been fantastic to be there. And maybe, maybe in the future we would, we'll learn everything. Maybe. But what so to to let everyone know, I guess what we are aware of, there was there's a couple of different events, a couple of different snippets of the one event. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna refer it as that now on. Hey, how about that? Snippets okay. of the same event, not different versions. So we've got that. Um, Joseph records that one person comes down first and introduces the other. Um, so we've got that. We've got our Joseph Smith history version. This is my beloved son uh, we've also got that joseph said that he saw two glorious personages exactly resembled each other in features and likeness uh, we've got like i've already mentioned we've got joseph thy sins are forgiven thee and then we've got this huge paragraph here as well and then we've also got descriptions as well which which i thought i would bring up with you as well here so in the in the 1832 version joseph says that he saw a pillar of fire above the brightness of the sun at noonday but actually then he scribbles out the word fire and he writes the word light so it says a pillar of light above the brightness of the sun at noonday and i thought that was that was quite interesting joseph is still a human and he's still trying to describe these things right yeah well exactly if you look at 1820 i mean electricity was a thing but people didn't have it in their homes so for joseph to describe what he saw immediately he'd probably think it's fire but it's not fire i'd say sort of like moses when he saw the burning bush you know he describes it as a flame of fire in the midst of the bush the bush burned with fire but wasn't consumed. So was, did the bush have fire on it? Well, exactly. It's the same sort right. of thing. This is so bright, and the only thing this bright I've ever seen is like fire. But it's not fire because it's not being consumed. And that, I guess it's the same with Joseph. So he's sort of gone, it's fire, not fire, actually. And I guess if we saw it now, we'd probably say it's brighter than a 100-watt bulb. Sure. Is that bright these days? <laughs> <laughs> brighter than the lights at the MCG. Yeah, that's um, right, yeah. Not that we live in Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> the other, the other part, and I'm not sure that we're going to go into it now. But the other part is, is did Joseph go through a transfiguration process when this happened? Yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting um, thing to look into. You know, I mean, the scriptures do say that no man has seen God, 
in the flesh except quickened in the spirit but sure. again we don't want to go off on a separate let's tangent let's give it to the side book story. of Mormon introductory pages again <laughs> we should write that down and come back to that in another day that's right wave of doctrine and covenant we'll get into yeah, all that yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> okay the first visions happened and it's a absolutely miraculous event and our entire religion is based on that that event went as we've described it which is that's right exactly this 14 year old boy saw god and jesus and they explained to him that none of these religions that had suddenly popped up none of them were right so then i guess did he, he went home right and did he tell his parents straight away or he, he did he started telling he started telling people and i and i wonder i wonder if he went back and told george lane of yeah, his parents, of course. But I wonder if he went back and told George Lane, you know. And I've thought about that quite a few times. I know that George, someone in George Lane's family, did join the church. And I always wondered, did he go back and talk to George, Mister Reverend George? And did he, did he say, "Hey, George, I did what you asked, and I saw God. Thank you for, thanks for telling me to do this. Thanks for, you know, the advice." We know he went back and told people. We're aware of this story. We've heard it in church 400 times that he was ridiculed and he went back and he told people. But I was, who are people? Like, uh, it's easy to say, you know, he went back and told some ministers. But I wonder if yeah. he went back and told George Lane and actually said, George, I've, I've, I did the, I followed your sermon that you called, What Church Should I Join? And I was told to join none of them, not even yours. So thanks <laughs> that'd be an interesting conversation <laughs> yeah. i couldn't imagine george lane going oh okay well pull the tent down. <laughs> yeah 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 jo- joseph did what i asked everyone and yeah hey we're all wrong, <laughs> we're all wrong yeah so a, a really really interesting time for joseph that we you know, we i don't really want to go into it he, we, we know what happened he, he went through and he told people and he was he was ridiculed for it. and it would have been a really challenging time for him and anyone in there teenage years anyone at all in their life would have struggled with something like that but that conversation who did he talk to did he talk to george lane that's something i'll keep thinking about and who knows maybe at some stage someone will flick me something some journal entry or some something message. that, that, yeah. that shows that, that would they be did. very very interesting to yeah. Me. yeah yeah I mean, yeah so, and he lived a while by the way as well george lane he george lane didn't die until 1859 so right. wow. he was around for a while and i talk about him a lot i bring him up in lessons when i whenever i'm teaching something like this because he's really i don't know do i call him an unsung hero but he's very unknown but if all of these reports are true and there's a number of them it wasn't just william smith who talked about it as well there's multiple other people who's who talked about george lane and and that that joseph i think later on talked about george lane as well so anyway some well, it's, it's one of those things the lord is working through someone else for something else to come about you know so even if he never joined our church he's still an important part of our massively, church history massive, yeah that's probably the right way yeah. to put it massively important to our history um and unknown but that's okay there's probably 400 other things that i've got no idea about either yeah. <laughs> hopefully we come across yeah, them yeah 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 okay so he's gone back he's he's been ridiculed and years go by that's right years go by exactly at the three year mark where he sort of picks up his story he he says that he was lying there in bed in his me- mind thinking nothing else has happened because 
I haven't been righteous enough and I need to pray to God and ask for his for forgiveness for the things that I've done. So, I mean, after something so amazing and then to go, hold on, I'm still, I'm not, you know, worthy enough. So he's lying in bed and he's, he's praying to the Lord and he's asking for forgiveness and what he should do next. And suddenly this conduit, he explains it, opens up from heaven and comes through it, this angel, this glorious being, and the whole room lights up. Now this room wasn't Joseph Smith's own room. I understand it was it was quite small, I believe. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they lived in tiny. You know, they were building things. They were building houses, and they didn't have a five five bedder, three bathroom scenario. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he was sharing this room with his siblings, right. and this glorious being appeared. The whole room lit up, but nobody else seemed to wake up. And this angel but, and, came and down, on that introduced point you just himself. Maybe that's a maybe that's a future episode why did that happen <laughs> <laughs> um so moroni is there and he, he introduced himself he says that he's moroni and he explains well he talks about quite a few things but he talks about the book of mormon and the, joseph's important role in bringing about the book yep. of mormon and an angelic visit uh, like that suddenly he disappears back opened up conduit back into space the light gathers back around and he goes up and Joseph's just lying there going wow what an amazing thing mm. uh, if that was me I'd be lying there going oh, right, what did he say yeah. again yeah anyone's got some <laughs> parchment and a quill <laughs> anyone's That's got right. a quill and some ink and <laughs> <laughs> so he's just lying there you know in his own head going okay what an amazing thing this has happened again and I've, I've got to get this book on suddenly the conduit again appears and the angel Moroni appears again, and, and he says the exact same thing that he'd said before, except a little bit at the end he does change, which we'll get into a lot more detail when we talk about Joseph Smith sure. history. But the important part of what we're talking about is he tells him about the Book of Mormon and the coming forth of the Book, Book of Mormon. Then again, he leaves, and Joseph's there just to lie there going, wow, yeah. amazing. Yeah, again, <laughs> you know. thank goodness I forgot the first one. <laughs> 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 I think I got the most yeah. of it now. But then again, conduit opens up from the heavens and comes through this angel Moroni and says the same thing again. Again, a little bit differs and he does warn Joseph this time that Satan will try and tempt him and other people will try and tempt him and try and take away the plates and it's up to him to protect them. Actually, the last thing he does say is to tell his father about this because he will believe him. Which is interesting because Joseph doesn't immediately tell right. his father because um, he's really worried about telling him because he doesn't think that he's going to believe him. You know, it's been three years since God the Father and Jesus visited him. So do you think he... And nothing do, since. So I wonder what... No, 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 I honestly don't know, but I wonder if Joseph was... You know, he he talked about seeing the first vision and years and years had gone by. Do you think he might have been like hey, if I tell people that this has happened now, three and a half years later, or, hey, they thought God would have visited me already and kind of everyone just thinks I'm, I've got no idea anymore, or I'm not sure what, yeah, what would I mean, have been going through I'm his head. I'm not sure. It's interesting because before this happened, Joseph was helping his neighbour dig a right. well. And when they were digging the well, he found this stone that um, is a seer stone. Now, Joseph knew it was a seer stone because back then... It wasn't a rare thing. It was just impossible for anyone to actually use it properly. And um, so I wonder if Joseph in his mind is going, I've got this and everyone knows I've got this. And 
it's going to be hard for them to, to convince them that, hey, just so happens after this happened, after I found that amazing stone, also an angel appeared to me. I, I wonder, because it had been three years, and it'd be hard to say, hey, no, I swear, two years ago, this still happened. Mm. Hey, three years ago, this happened. So I don't know what's going through his head, but it couldn't have been anything going, hey, yes, everyone's going to believe me all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, and to think about the ridicule that he would, would have gone through before. All of that, it's easy to read stories in a book, but when you think about the mental challenge that these people actually go through, like it's, it adds a different, I think it adds a bit of a different dynamic to their decision making and then what we read afterwards. We, we're not in their situation it's easy to read and go, oh, you've just seen an angel. Of course go tell your father. What do you mean? But yeah. what he had gone through over the last few years would have been a proper, proper challenge, I think. Oh, I agree. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's easy to say, hey, you could have been good for three years. But even when you read the Book of Mormon and they, the Nephites and Lamanites, they're good for 100 years and they're bad again. You go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're only good yeah, for 100 hey, years. Yeah, it's easy for me to say, I, <laughs> you know, hey, did, did I, was I sin-free today? That's right, exactly. A story for another day. (laughs) (laughs) So, as soon as Moroni leaves, it's morning. Right. So, Joseph's obviously exhausted. Yeah, absolutely. So, he's absolutely wrecked. He'd essentially just been up all night. So, the angels, he's, he's, he's got lots on his mind, but he's still got to go to work. He's still got to go out into the farm, and he, he still has to perform his day labors. He's, 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 older now and he's certainly a part of the family and he's cert- certainly a big part of the economy of the family as well um, he's not a young boy anymore um, he's he absolutely has to pull his weight around the farm well we kind of touched on this the smith's economic position at the start but they didn't have much money and they all had to work and work and work so joseph has no choice but to go out and begin his jobs but he his family i think it was alvin right alvin in particular notices him and is realizes that he's probably not up to himself and his father sends him back and his father, he, he's basically told you, you know, you're essentially useless for us for the day. There's obviously something going on. Um, you know, head back home and, and get some rest. And he goes to climb over a fence and falls backwards. And Morona comes back again. That's right, exactly. Comes back again. This time, I mean, Joseph said that he's unconscious. Um, Morona comes to him in his mind, says the same thing. And then at the end, he does say... Go and tell your father. Um, Go and tell your father, and, and just said, but will he believe me? And Moroni says, he will. he will. So Joseph Smith, as soon as he wakes up, that's it, i got to go tell my father and, exactly and what happened. Moroni is not in control of Joseph Smith Sr.'s actions, but I think Moroni has said that with confidence because Joseph Smith Sr.'s life has been good at times, down at times, good at times, down at times, and he's he's been seeking religion he's not just this isn't brand new to him the idea of religion is not brand new to him joseph smith senior is seeking something he's he's seeking a higher purpose of course and you know you got to think that he's probably been prepared as well for this particular day so perhaps yesterday he wouldn't have been ready and that's why moroni hadn't visited joseph yesterday because joseph senior wasn't ready to hear it yeah that's a good point but maybe today it's yes today is the day that he will believe you and he will understand go and tell him and he will yeah everything in the right timing 
Hmm. Exactly, you know, the Lord's right. time. Okay, so he pops up and he goes and tells his father and that goes exactly to planned. Yeah, exactly. His father goes, go, go exactly to where, you know, the angel Moroni showed you in a vision where the yeah, plates go are. go and do it. <laughs> you know, go and do it. So he goes straight there, uh, he goes to the hill Kimura, and he finds a big rock, moves a big rock, and he finds this stone box, and he, he sees the plates in there. And he reaches out to touch them. He thinks he's alone at this time. And he gets this pulse through him and it, a shock. And He does that a couple you know, times, doesn't he? Yeah, he, do, he does. He, he reaches three out times, three times, sorry, he does it. And then he cries out, why can't I obtain the book? And Moroni is there, off to the side. And he says, it's because you've not kept the commandments of the Lord. And he's shown in this vision the glory and power of God. And he's also shown Satan and the numberless hosts on one side and, you know, the glory of God so on it's the a other. Lesson. And it's a lesson. And Moroni says, look, there's two powers here and you should never be influenced by the wicked one. That's why Joseph wasn't ready to receive the plates. So he says, you know, when can I come back? When, when can I have them? And he says, come back exactly one year from now. So the date was the 22nd of September, 1823. Right. So he's told to come back on the 22nd of September, 1824. And this time when you come, bring the right person with you. Mm. And um, Joseph, Who will, who's the right person? His, your oldest brother. Which his, his oldest living brother is, of course, Alvin. Of course, that's right. Um, who only so, survives another two months, I think, September, October, November. Only survives another two months after that event, right? That's right. So, after this had happened, Alvin dies two months later. So, Joseph's obviously sad that Alvin's died, but also confused. Why was I told that the right person was Alvin when Alvin died? You know, was it for Alvin um, to know that he was, you know, before he died, hey, you know, you're the person that's supposed to come with me. Maybe it was for him. Maybe it was for Joseph. Well, Alvin says to Joseph in his in the throes of death, he says to him that he he needs to be an honest man and he needs to go and obtain the plates. Alvin's very aware of what's going on, and really, I don't know if he gets stuck into him, but he certainly makes it clear that Joseph should um, fix himself, get himself right, and get the plates. Yeah, right. So, I mean, that, that could be for Joseph, you know, to for him to know, to understand. Sure. But Joseph does go back. He goes back the next year, as he does. And obviously, Alvin isn't with him, like he'd yep. hoped. But um, he goes there, and he speaks with the angel Moroni again. He removes the plates. He actually, he actually, and, take, he actually this time, and, and by remove, we actually mean removed. He actually reached in, picked them up, moves over to the side, puts them down. Yeah, that's exactly right. And Moroni says to him, he gives him strict instruction. All right, when you've got the plates, go straight home. Take the plates, go straight home. Don't let him Don't your take your focus off the plates. Right. Exactly. You know, these are sacred texts. But Joseph, he puts them, he's probably thinking that he's doing the right thing, but he takes them out, puts them down. He sees in this box the Urim and Thummim and the brass plates. Now, in his mind... Like you had just spoken about, you know, he came from quite a poor family and he's looking at it, not thinking, I want to sell these, but in his mind, he's thinking, I wonder if these are worth it. Here's a flash. 
he, he, yeah, has, exactly. a, he has a flash in his mind of value of of monetary value and you know he's only human you know it's just a passing thought most likely but because this had happened he turned back to where the plates were and they, they were gone right and he looked back and they were back in the box and Moroni said you know you didn't follow the directions so therefore you can't have them again you've got to come back in another year's time so we're up to 1825 um, now right so this is 1825 would be the next year that he yep. comes now the things that I've studied I can't seem to find what happens in 1825 there seems to be a bit of a gap in the, in the record in the record and I don't know if anybody listening knows what happened in 1825 there's a lot of things that you find online that aren't proven yeah. uh, you know there's a lot of things you find online so which we're trying to keep Wikipedia everything it. to reference based exactly and a good anything that we find in church doctrine the gospel according to daniel yeah. chapter that's one, right one. <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> wikipedia mormon yeah. <laughs> um so if anybody were to find it you know i'd be very interested in it but we know that the last year that he went there he was a told by the angel Moroni. So we know that he got the plates in 1827. Yeah. So 1825, not 100% sure exactly what happened, but we know he didn't get them. Um, but he went in 1826 and he was told that he actually can't get the plates this time. And this time it's because the people that he worked for were wicked right. people. Right. And so the reason that he couldn't get the plates is because the people that he worked for and the people that he was surrounded by were wicked yeah, people. Yeah, that's right. So essentially was, he was associating with people that were not conducive to a man who is a future prophet and, and a person who would carry themselves in a way that they can talk to angels. He was, this is when we understand the treasure-seeking days and those stories that I, I think some people are aware of but so, again some people are not aware of I, I've got uh, I think this is a seminary manual I've got here in front of me from the year 2000 it was published and it's certainly in there and there was another book I had here somewhere that was even older and it was in there as well so I think that that commentary around that that tr that quote-unquote treasure seeking sort of shocks people it's unfortunately and this is my own opinion. Unfortunately, in the church, we we don't often share all the details of every story, and that might be good in some circumstances. But then, when people learn about it in later, in a un a very uncontrolled environment, it can become quite harmful. But certainly, we're across it. Joseph Smith had some treasure-seeking days, and um, he wasn't very good at it, right? Brigham Young said something about that well exactly someone asked Brigham Young straight up you know they said but Joseph Smith was a gold digger wasn't he and, and Brigham Young said yeah but he wasn't was very it? good yeah, at yeah. it <laughs> he did he, you know it never made um, him rich so yeah if you hear somebody say hey well Joseph Smith was a gold digger it's completely out of context right, right. was jo Joseph did. Smith a gold digger when he was uh, when the Book of Mormon was being translated and he was having revelations no the answer is definitely no um, when Joseph Smith was a young man, he he was he had temptations like all of us do, and in this case, he 
he was trying to seek out treasure. There's some stories about him using the seer stone that you mentioned. He had thoughts that if he could, he had some fleeting thoughts that if he could use the plates for another purpose, life for his family might be easy. And that was a that was a challenge. Everyone's got their challenges. That was a challenge for him. And so the consequence of that challenge was, yeah, in 1826, he hoped, obviously, he hoped that he could get the plates, I'm sure, but the angel Moroni was certainly um, not not going to allow that to happen. That's right. And I feel that he wasn't a bad guy at this time. It was just the people that he was surrounded by. He was told this time, when you come, come again next year, obviously, exact same time yep. next year. And he was told again, bring somebody with you. Bring the right person with you. And Joseph, well, okay, well, who's the right person? And all that he was told by Moroni is, you will know. So, you know, that was something for him to ponder for the for the next year of who this right person it was. Um, he prayed to God and he saw in vision that the right person that he should bring with him was Emma, his wife. So he heads up with Emma and they're in a, they're in a carriage from memory i should really have wrote this down but though i believe they're in a carriage and he tells emma to essentially wait and i don't know if she waits at the bottom of the hill and he walks up but he tells her that she basically she can't go with him so she waits and he goes and he retrieves the plates and moroni allows him moroni still gives him some commentary but moroni essentially allows him to take the plates this time and uh, joseph's married and he's he's uh, a mature man or maturing man now and i think he's, he's 21 at the time right uh, so he right he takes the plates and he hides them he's he's really worried that he's being watched and he's worried that the plates are going to be taken from him so he hides them in a log and heads away and moves out of the area and then retrieves them so he takes them home and he said he's got them and he says these he's sitting around his amazing story of him sitting around the kitchen table and and his mother says to him joseph did you did you get the plates were you able to get the plates and he says i've got them and they're 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 magnificent i think he says he says they're the most magnificent thing i've ever seen and he's he's elated that he's able to get the plates and in what must have just been a real moment for that family to hear joseph say that he's become worthy and that he's he's able to fulfill this crazy mission and the family would have been in the throes of it as well of what joseph had gone through and they believed him the whole time they were beside him the whole time and it's an interesting i've heard an interesting comment about joseph and that is that the people who believed joseph the most were the people who are around him the most people who knew him as a man and people who knew of his character they're the ones that believed him the most. Um, so his family must have just been elated. You know, that commentary they talked about where they said, Joseph, did you get them? Did you get the plates? And he says, yes. What an incredible moment um, that that would have been in history. Of course. I mean, not only does Joseph have the faith that he's able to get the plates, but his family all around him, having the faith that Joseph saw what he said he saw, he'll get the plates when he's ready to get the plates. We believe him and we're patient. Right. And what an incredible time for everyone. But, you know, we, we know the story of Joseph translating the plates, but the witness is an interesting story. But before that, I believe Lucy, she, she didn't touch the plates uh, for, for any particular reason, but didn't she have a story about, oh, about she, the plates? She, she had to move them around. So, so the plates were, the plates at different times, 
different times we're in different places so there's stories of the plates being hidden in a barrel of beans there's stories of the plates going missing and joseph being um, you know his carriage at one stage was um under scrutiny and then the plates had gone missing and then this random stranger with a rucksack turns up and gives him the plates back and then disappears but in so the plates were in different places and and in the smith family home they were under a cloth and they were on i guess you would call it a, a mantel piece or sometimes they were on the table and lucy said that she had to move them from time to time um, she would pick them up and so she felt the weight of them she knew the size of them and she would move them she would clean the area and then she would put them back so she was handling them um, certainly there's no record of her moving the cloth out the way and going through it page by page going what on earth do these characters mean but um, <laughs> you know she definitely had to handle them they were they were a item in their house like you you've got an item in your house they were a thing that was in their home yeah, wow, that's interesting. So let's get um, back into the introductory pages. Have we started um, the actual <laughs> lesson yet? <laughs> well, we, we, we talked about the uh, the coming forth of oh, the Book good. of Mormon, which is that's kind know, of a major part of the Book of Mormon's section of the, yeah. <laughs> of the lesson. Um, but let's talk about the, the witnesses then. So there was, well, there's the first of the three witnesses, which are obviously... Oliver Cowdery, David Whitmer, and Martin yep. Harris. Now, they got to see the plates themselves. That, that's right, that's right. So the three witnesses, there's there's two sets of witnesses. There's the three witnesses, they have an angelic experience, and then there's the eight witnesses who get to see the plates. So out of the three witnesses, we have, we have like you said, Oliver Cowdery, David Whitmer, and Martin Harris. And so what the how the, the witnessing occurred was that Joseph went with those three men and they went off to pray together. They, they've already received revelation, you see, in the Doctrine and Covenants, which says that they will be a, a witness by three. So they're aware of who it is, and so they go off to pray. And nothing's happening. Nothing's happening at all. Um, Martin Harris feels really, really guilty. You'll remember that he, he convinced Joseph to take the Book of Lehi, and that goes missing. His wife puts Martin, Martin Harris's wife puts him under tons and tons of pressure to prove that the funding that Martin Harris had done for the for the quote unquote Mormonism movement was a real thing. And so eventually, and we'll talk about that more in Doctrine and Covenants, but essentially the the Book of Lehi never comes back. And so Martin Harris is is really feeling really really guilty. Actually, in this seminary manual that I've got here. Um, religion 341-43 it says except for Joseph Smith no man played a more varied role in the coming forth of the Book of Mormon than Martin Harris he provided financial support so the prophet could move from Manchester New York to Harmony Pennsylvania in December 1827 helping to fulfill an ancient prophecy he also served as a scribe and he became a witness financially assisted in its publication and testified of its truthfulness of the book throughout his life. So Martin Harris played an incredible role. But he's in this circle and he feels extreme guilt. And so he actually excuses himself. He actually doesn't want to be a part of it or thinks he can't be a part of it. It's probably a better way to describe it. He thinks that he's not worthy and he excuses himself. And so when he does and he's out of sight, the angel comes down. Angel Moroni comes down, has the plates and gives an incredible angelic experience to Oliver and David. And the angel opens up the leaves of the page, and they hear the Lord. 
and says that this book is the most correct book of any book on earth it's an incredible absolutely incredible experience so that all happens and that's that's incredibly amazing and the angel disappears so joseph now is wondering about martin yeah well martin hasn't had that opportunity to see but he is one of the witnesses that's right so well he goes and finds martin and martin is still in the vicinity martin's still in the area he hasn't hopped in a horse and taken off he's still in the area and joseph joins him and then they offer prayer together when they do and it's not ours it's when they do the angel moroni comes down again and gives the exact same uh witnessing if you like to martin and so martin is able to have the exact same experiences as david and oliver did which would have just been uh, incredible for him who had been through such a challenging time the story of the book the losing of the book of lehi is incredible which we'll we'll cover in in the doctrine and covenants but for martin to have that and for the faith that he showed and for how he continued to show up for the prophet is just absolutely remarkable so that happens and those three men go down in history as the three witnesses so i mean their testimony right there at the beginning you should definitely give that a read yourself it's it's quite incredible um but let's go to the eight witnesses now so there's there's eight witnesses do they get the same angelic visit exactly the same as the three witnesses or no they don't so they don't they they do get to be witnesses of the plates so they handle the plates and they can turn the pages of the plates but the angel does not appear to those men Uh, that that is the main difference between the two sets you guess the two sets of witnesses um but those other men get to handle the plates and it's an incredible experience for them as well that would be that would be an incredible experience so then there's the testimony of the eight there's joseph smith's testimony which you should definitely definitely go and read i mean it's it's a big one but it's it's powerful he talks about the importance of the book of mormon and and the brief explanation of the things that we've talked about yeah and it's an incredible experience to have this book and to know of this book and to know about how it came about and i think it's one of those things that for us to understand how it came about helps more appreciate the doctrine that it has inside of it i think so i think so and it really for me personally it helps my testimony when i learn more about these people i mean i've we've both read a lot we've you know we've bought we've got lots of books about this era and think giving them uh, understanding them as people helps me in terms of that they were real people and they had real struggles and they bore witness that the book of mormon is the real deal yeah i agree i mean it, it was a different time back then and not everybody stayed with the church but nearly everybody came back in fact I think, I believe it was only david whitmer that didn't come back david Whit- out of all the witnesses yeah, yep yep so that they they're again a doctrine and covenants topic but certainly for various reasons different witnesses fell away from the church at different times lots went back but david whitman never went back to the church after he left the church but the incredible thing about david whitmer and something that i wouldn't mind just finishing on for today's episode is his deathbed testimony and i've got a bunch of deathbed testimonies from lots of people of the early church but david whitmer's one is is pretty good it he 
he has this David Whitmer doesn't die till really late in the 1800s and so lots of people can talk to him he has journalists that talk to him and he gets lots of opportunity to give his testimony about the church and at no time ever does David say anything to the to the contrary he always backs the church and he always gives his testimony of the divinity and this is this is given three days before he dies so he dies on the 25th of january in 1888 and on the 22nd so three days earlier david wants to give his testimony and he does so with a doctor and he essentially says to his doctor that he wants to um he wants to speak and can the doctor confirm that he's still okay to do so and that he's not a he's not a madman and the doctor says that he thinks he's he's right the doctor's been having conversations with david and um david's more than qualified to speak for himself in a sound mind so he finishes with this testimony now you must all be faithful in christ i want to say to you all that the bible and the record of the nephites are true so you can say that you have heard me bear my testimony on my deathbed all be faithful in Christ, and your reward will be according to your works. God bless you all. My trust is in Christ forever, worlds without end. Amen. Wow. Powerful testimony. Mm. That's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, we'll probably end it there, I'd say. We've, I think it's been great to do our first one. It's been a long time coming, but it's awesome that we've been able to put it together, and um, we really hope that it will companion you. It's certainly not to replace anything, but this is a real, hopefully a companion to you as you as you go through your Come Follow Me journey, and it can just help round your education as well. So we hope you've enjoyed yourselves, and we hope you've learned something, and um, definitely head over to our website if you want to if you want to teach with any of the material that we've spoken about. You'll be able to get our references there and you'll be able to use some of that material in your in your own classes or, or even bring it up in, in in your classes as well well thank you for listening to us today and we'll see you next time